When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Three, two, one. Here we go. Oh, yeah. Good morning, good people. Welcome to A to Z Sports Live, presented by Boston Scientific. We stream it live on YouTube and Facebook. And, of course, I am your host, Will. Skywalker still. Boom. Hey, man, we got a fantastic one lined up for y'all today. We're going to pick up our RTD series rating the draft with Luke Schoolmaker, the heavily debated, talked about second round pick. We'll discuss his value. We'll discuss his future outlook. Plus in the roundup. Michael Parsons talks about bulking up and, and what for. And this undrafted free agent spotlight is, is, is a special one because I think he's got a real shot, a real shot at this uh, roster here. But, but today's show, we will be debuting, right? We will be debuting our new segment, weekly segment, not just today, but a weekly segment throughout the offseason, throughout the regular season, with none other than Patrick No C. Walker, called the Scientific Method. If you don't know who Pat No C. is, are you really a Cowboy fan? But that's fine. I don't want to. I don't want to question your fandom if you don't know. But you're finna know. Uh, he is Dallas Cowboys writer, podcaster, analyst, do all everything. A fantastic guy who deserves the spot he's in right now. Absolute star at the at the star right. Absolute star down there at the star. And he'll be joining A to Z Sports weekly with your boy, Sky, in our weekly segment, The Scientific Method, where we'll talk all things Dallas Cowboys with a little science to it. So today, uh, we'll be talking about draft superlatives, but also some of the nuggets that came out of the Home Run Derby yesterday, which I got to tease him a little bit about. You know, I'm not going to get on him a little bit. He's supposed to win that thing. But uh, <laughs> we'll get into that a little bit later, Cowboys Nation. Make sure y'all stick around because at the top of the hour, he will be joining us. So we've got uh, this was the kind of surprise I was trying to keep tight and uh, kind of just drop on y'all at some point. But yeah, man, Pat will be joining us for the foreseeable future throughout the season. It is going to be unbelievably fun, informative, and you guys will get something every single time he joins this show. What better way to have an insider like Pat join us each week? Come on now. Come on, Bob Squad. Bob Squad! All right, look, we got a lot to get to, so we're going to jump straight into this roundup because we do got to talk about, you know, these two things I, I mentioned at the top of the show before we get to Pat at the top of the hour, and then we're hitting the rating of draft. So jam-packed show. Buckle up. It's going to be a long one. Time. 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 
It's time. It is time for. It's time for the morning roundup. Round them up, boys. Hey, yo. We're going to start off today with the undrafted free agent spotlight. And it's a receiver that a lot of y'all have been like, Sky, 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 you got to check out this dude. Jalen Moreno Cropper out of Fresno State. Now, I know we can say this about a lot of these undrafted guys because the Cowboys have zeroed in on these undrafted free agents. Will McClay has been killing it, and they've been given a lot of kudos for their haul. But this kid right here could be one of their most value gets as an undrafted free agent. He could have been drafted, probably should have been drafted. Four-year senior out of Fresno State who tallied 2,700-plus yards, 21 touchdowns in his career. And he had a choice to go to some other big school. He had a choice to go to UCLA. He could have went to Oregon State. Uh, He could have went to the Big Ten in Indiana, but he decided to stay in close to home with Fresno State. He goes 5'11", a buck 72, so he's not a big guy, but he's quick. He's heady. He's a route-running slot wide receiver. He can make you miss after the catch, too. He had 19 missed tackles last year, uh, forced missed tackles last year, and that was 11th in the country, tied for 11th in the entire country for a guy who won undrafted. That's pretty damn good. Now, he's going to have to work on the drops. He had a ton of drops at Fresno State, 17 in total in his college career, but he brings a lot to the table. And all these undrafted guys are going to have some warts, and that's his wart. Man, he brings so much more to the table that I think to give him a bit of an edge here in Dallas. And he comes into a room, we talk about this wide receiver room, where, yeah, they got the top three guys. Gallup, got Cooks, got Lamb. But after that, there is no sure thing. We talked about yesterday where McClay said, hey, I, I give the vote of confidence. I'm going to give these young guys a chance. Talking about uh, you know, Jalen Tolbert, talking about Semi Faelko and whatnot. But there, there's going to be a heated competition after those top three. And I think Moreno Cropper is going to have something to say about it. Because he gives you something that you really don't quite have after those top three. And we're talking about a guy that can come in right now and route you up in the slot. Oh, by the way, he got some kick returner ability. Not, not much, but some kick returning ability. So, you know, Monte Turpin. There's more competition. Here's what Dane Brugler had to say about Moreno Cropper, who, who he had as his 31st receiver, a six or seven round pick. He says, quote, overall, he has an undersized frame and struggles to combat contact mid route and at the catch point. But there is no doubting his play speed, tempo, and understanding of how to how to be friendly to the quarterback. He has the play style to become a rotational slot as an NFL rookie. I have not yet looked at where a lot of these other UDFA guys were slotted pre pre draft, but everywhere I go when I look at Jalen Moreno Cropper and doing some study. He's a guy that most people thought would be drafted. So if we get to ranking top five undrafted free agent steals or whatever you want to call it, hidden gems, I'm pretty sure he's going to rank pretty high up there for the Dallas Cowboys. So that is today's UDFA spotlight wide receiver Jalen Moreno Cropper out of Fresno State.
So yesterday, Michael Parsons, he got a lot of people to freak out. He told Cowboys media that he's skipping voluntary workouts to focus on bulking up to play full-time defense end. Now, they're not freaking out because he's skipping voluntary workouts. That He's skipping them to essentially do the same damn things that he would have been doing there. He's trying to get bigger to be full-time defense end. And that's where people are freaking out. I mean, let me just calm you down here. For starters... Michael Parsons is just confirming what we've already known since last season. That he is a full-time defensive end. He played 917 snaps last year. And 80% of those snaps, he was on the line of scrimmage. Okay? So, is it going to go up to 85? Maybe. They'll still probably move him around, blitz him from the middle. He's not going to be handing the dirt guy 100% of the time. But he was already transitioning into the full-time defensive end position. This is why all offseason, if you've been watching this show, you know that I've been looking at the linebacker room with Michael Parsons not in mind. I haven't been including him in the linebacker room all offseason because they didn't include him in the linebacker room in the regular season. And one of the things we kept talking about that we saw that Micah brought up was that the beating that he took as a full-time defensive end last year was getting to him, as it would if you don't prepare physically and mentally to take on that task. So my guess is that a lot of people are looking at this Michael Parsons situation and are afraid that him balking up is going to take away from his athleticism. People, Michael Parsons is an athletic freak, not of this world. So this, in essence, given you know the circumstances, is, is kind of a culture shock, or last year was a culture shock for Michael Parsons to play defense and as much as he did for the first time in his career where he really didn't expect to. So now he has a full offseason to prepare his body and to prepare his mind to take on those responsibilities, that 80, 85% or so responsibilities at defense and and notice I did say body and mind. Michael loves this game, Cowboys Nation. He wants to be on the field all the time to help this team win wherever he can. And right now it's going to be primarily at defense and as it was last year. And it's something that he battled with last year. He battled with being a primary defensive end guy because he wasn't really expecting that coming in. He was expecting to do more pass rushing. But I don't think he was expected to do it that much. When I say pass rushing, it ain't just pass rushing. It's just lining up, battling these deep, these offensive tackles down in, down out, even when the play's not coming your side. Now he can get right physically and mentally for it. And he's going to be better for it in 2023 and beyond. So if you're one of those freaking out about this, don't. This is a good thing. This is just him confirming what he was already doing last year. This is just him confirming what we, for, for the most part, most of us, believe was happening already in that room. That he was more of a defensive lineman than he was going to be a linebacker. Hence, why linebacker was rated extremely high in our needs coming out of the draft. And the Cowboys did grab a linebacker early in the draft. So we'll talk more about this on a different show, maybe tomorrow what this means for the actual room. Uh, 
what this means for the depth chart, the starting lineup, the rotation, et cetera, et cetera. It increases in essentially the depth chart in one place, decreases it in the other. But that's for another discussion. If you're still freaking out, Michael Parsons tweeted out the other day, yesterday, to ease y'all minds. He said, LOL, people hear bulk and they think I'm going from 246 to 270. If you've seen any of my videos, I'm still very slim and I'm putting on good weight. I'm standing at 252 currently and I will not surpass 255 at any time in my career. This is just me putting on more muscle to carry the load. For what it's worth, y'all, Demarcus Lawrence is listed at 255, roughly. Armstrong came in at 250. Von Miller is lighter than Mike. Brian Burns is 250. Hassan Reddick is 250. So this isn't a foreign concept that pass rushers live in this, in this weight realm. But he needed to, to build his armor. That was the main thing we talked about last year. And now it's not just his physical armor, but his mental armor as well. But he needed to build his armor now. So that during the season, he can take the beating. During the season, he can give you 110% in the fourth quarter. Not saying he wasn't, but you know what I mean? His body wasn't 110%. He can give you that 110% in the 14th, 15th, 16th week. It's no secret. He came out flat out and said it. It was tough. It was tough dealing with these tackles at that point in the season. But this wasn't really built and prepped for it. Now he is. And I think that's scary for the rest of the league. Scary. So Michael Parsons uh, bulking up to 250 plus. He's at 252 currently right now. And he expects to be not to surpass 255. Is that a concern to you, Cowboys Nation? Because that is not a concern to me. Like I said, this is a good thing. I think he'll learn from having you know been out there going up against a, a bunch of the 330 plus pound tackles down in down out last year he's going to be better mentally he's going to be better physically period uh sam's okay we're talking about d law yeah c say been saying von miller yeah this is this is basically von miller i would say on steroids but but von is is already steroid up and so it's not like you're getting a different version all right y'all hold tight we're going to switch up gears here in a second and get ready for our debut of the scientific method with none other than Patrick No C Walker, ladies and gentlemen. What's good, brother man? <laughs> science. You know I had to bring you in right, bro. You know I had to bring you in right. Come on, man. Listen, man, if they don't know who you are, please explain to the to the folks out there, the lovely folks, the wonderful work you do for this Cowboys Nation. The compliments and um, the appreciation from yourself. Obviously, you've been doing fantastic work out here still. I mean, we've been, uh, we linked a long time ago, man, yes. and just being able to, you know, have the privilege to watch you grind and ascend in the way you have is just fantastic, man. And um, I, I'm just here to to try to, you know, absorb some of your greatness, brother. 
right? That's so, what we do. We we bounce we bounce yeah. off that greatness off yeah. each other, man. Make each go. other better. We had a a heart to heart conversation at camp. That was the beginning of things, and look where we at now, man. I'm oh, you know it. it. It's like I told you in, in Oxnard. I told you and, and our boy uh, Vance Lombardi. Uh, you know, you guys are just you're knocking it out the park, man. And uh, for everyone that is trying to come up. Uh, in this industry, and I've been there, and I feel like I'm still there. I, I don't ever feel like Thanks. I'm where I need to be. It doesn't matter where I'm sitting. doesn't matter how, how high up the ladder I am. I still feel like I'm just that young man that is trying to get into the game and trying to learn. And as long as you keep that mindset, um, I mean, you, you'll never stop moving forward. I mean, you'll get knocked back a couple of times, but, you know, keep that high motor. Keep that Mozzie Smith motor, and, uh, you, and you'll be all right. You'll be all right. Before we get to Mozzie Smith, man, you, you said knocking out the park. I got a bone to pick with you, brother. Okay. You, know, you went down okay. to the home run derby, and, and I was pulling yeah. for you. I put the yeah. money on you, man. Yeah. You, what happened? Okay, so. <laughs> You're a baseball I'm, player, too. I, I am. I am. I played uh, all the way through sophomore year in, in college yeah. before my, my right knee started to clock out. And I actually still play adult league here in Dallas. Um, kind of sideline for the moment as I deal with uh, that same knee injury. But, you know, we push through. But, you know, I take accountability for mine. So they gave us 10 swings. And on the second swing, first swing, line drive, almost got to the fence. Second swing, I, I buzzed the tower by accident. So the pitcher had to, you know, because it flew past him. And I think that exit velo was probably 110 or better. Like, seriously, it, I mean, yeah. Yeah. So after, so that, after that, I was there. So after that, um, I think he got creative with the pitches. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I, yeah, no, I mean, I still was making contact. Like, he's not yeah. getting them past me. But, you know, I'm, I'm expecting, you know, some fastballs, two seamers at best. But, I mean, I saw some cutters. I could have sworn I saw a slurve in there. Come on. You know, maybe a 12-6 curve. Um, the Ephus pitch, is that what it's called? Yeah, so he, he, you know, he had me getting on top of a couple, so that like three or four I got on top of because they had movement. Like, they're not supposed to have movement in in cage work. So if I had known to look for movement, I would have been looking for the break point, and That's then I would have showed him a little something. Um, but he, he got me. But nonetheless, the more important thing is uh, we have fun, and even more yeah. important than that is, you know, I was able to raise a thousand dollars for my one of my favorite charities, which is the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, um, which is massive for me. Those who have followed me uh, for a long time know I am a massive advocate for mental health and mental health awareness. And as we sit here in the month of May, which is Mental Health Awareness Month, um, later this month, and you know, date TBD, I have my mental health podcast coming out i'll be dropping the information on that probably at some point next week so it just me it, it means a lot to me to be able to contribute to such a great cause to try to help everyone understand yes. just how important it is to to keep your mentals level Man, hell yeah and doing what we do you, you definitely have to and a lot of people out there go through a lot of stuff so if you need to reach out reach out to pat for sure and us and we can definitely try to talk you through things and Absolutely. help each other out man but Absolutely. last year when i went to that event you know michael parsons was was just bombing he mm -hmm. was bombing home runs out of there but this year uh i'm not sure how he did down there but did you talk to him about the the weight build thing i know you were part of the media down there obviously um yep. what's, what's your thought process on that because a lot of people are kind of taking this i think you know out of the out of the context here well well first of all as far as how he did um we're going to blow right past that because <laughs> you know if there's anybody i don't want to upset who has to walk past me on a regular basis it's Michael. Michael Parsons. Yeah. Um, let's just say Leighton Vanderesh defended this title. Um, Micah had the same issues with pitching that I did, and he was very vocal about him, um, as did a couple of other guys. But 
as far as um, the bulking up, keep in mind, ladies and gentlemen, this is not something that should surprise you. And I get that it's a news item, but it's not entirely breaking news. And if you go back and you look at Micah's splits in 2022, you'll see that it was 80, 20, 85, 15 as far as defensive end versus linebacker. Um, so now this isn't to say that because he's putting on some some mass and this is going to be muscle mass, obviously, that he's going to be 100 percent defensive end that's that's not what's going to happen Dan Quinn is still going to utilize him as a linebacker at times but for all intents and purposes he is in fact now a defensive end in the NFL and that's why the Cowboys went out and got a guy uh, like DeMarvion Overshone to add depth depth behind LVE and what they expect to be and what I expect to be as well a breakout year from Damone Clark because behind LVE and Damone Clark as far as linebackers are concerned still uh, it was a huge question mark. You don't know just yet what you're getting from Jabril Cox. He hasn't taken that step forward after that torn ACL. Uh, and then the rest of the guys uh, had trouble breaking out of the practice squad last year. And then one of those guys, Devin Harper, was recently released. So you had to address the linebacker position they did. And that's also because, again, they know that Micah Parsons is going to be mostly defensive end. Now, from a Micah standpoint, if you followed the tea leaves from those uh, locker room uh, Q&As, that we posted throughout the season, you saw that it was trending this way because he was battered and bruised quite a bit, taking that punishment at defensive end. And he kind of said it directly. He said, Hey, I'm, I'm getting, you know, beat up down there and not necessarily beat, but beat up. Those are two different yeah. things. Um, so you knew that coming into the off season, he was going to try to put on some more mass so he could absorb some of that punishment to extend his career. Um, but contractually speaking, if you follow the tea leaves, if the Cowboys and the Cowboys are going to want to sign Michael Parsons as quickly as possible, let's just be clear on that. And it might even be a blank check situation. Um, but we also know that the history of the Cowboys shows that sometimes it takes them a little bit longer to get the deal done. If that were to happen and Michael Parsons were to find himself in a franchise tag situation, we're talking about millions and millions of yeah. dollars as a difference between linebacker franchise tag and defensive end franchise tag. You've seen, um, arbitrators have to come in and try to sort that out with some of these other teams. Michael Parsons wants to make sure that not only is he down the road compensated as a defensive end, but as far as physically um, his physical health is concerned, he wants to put on that mask to protect himself taking so many reps uh, as a pass rusher on that edge. Yeah. I, I dubbed it as, you know, he's trying to build that armor, but that's a great point about the contract as well. We've seen that float around a little bit, but that's real. You know, th these guys are trying to make sure they secure the bag for their families and their future. And you, you said it, you're talking about millions, maybe maybe even, you know, 10 million or so. I mean, there has to be a massive difference in defensive end and oh, it's line, massive. linebacker. That's to be extremely uh, uh, significant in that gap. It's, it's massive. And also keep in mind, uh, Micah playing defensive end is, is really going to create what you've already seen as far as one of the more lethal pass rush units in the NFL. Uh, and probably in Cowboys history, at least in recent Cowboys history, and when I say recent, I'm talking 20 plus years, you've not seen a pass rush of this nature. Talk about Tank, Micah, Sam Williams possibly having another, a breakout season if he gets more reps. Uh, Durrance Armstrong coming off of a career season. Dante Fowler is back. The list goes on and on. And then you drop Mozzie Smith in the middle of that. And I don't know that people understand exactly what Mozzie Smith brings to the table not only as a definitive run stopper, because as a definitive run stopper, it makes it virtually impossible to double the edges. So you have to play honest. You have to play true across the board. That gives you one-on-one matchups against Micah, a more bulked up Micah. 
Uh, that gives you one-on-one matchups against Tank, Sam, Dorrance. The list goes on and on as far as the waves of pass rushers the Cowboys can throw. But also with Mozzie Smith, and this is another reason Michael Parsons got excited, Mozzie Smith is going to end up working uh, in different positions across the defensive line. So, yes, he's coming in as a definitive, you know, one tech uh, behind Jonathan Hankins, probably in front of Jonathan Hankins now being the first round pick. But he he has flexibility at zero, two, three. And depending on the set, you might see him in four tech, might see him in five tech if it's a, a four down man set. So Mozzie Smith is going to get some edge work as well uh, as early as training camp. Does that mean you'll see a ton of that? Uh, in 2023, you'll see sprinkles of it. But as his career goes with the Cowboys, you'll see Mozzie Smith doing more than just stopping the run, which he'll be elite at. But he's very disruptive. Go and look at his Michigan film. Even with them rarely asking him to get into the backfield on on pass on pass attacks, he just gets back there. He just he pays rent in the backfield. He lives there. I think we we also don't understand how big that dude is. You, you and uh, I'm sorry, I forget her name. You, you guys did a uh, interview on a bus. You got the chance Haley. to see Haley. Haley, Haley uh, sat next to, you know, you've seen him already, but you sat next to Mozzie Smith. He is a massive man. Explain just how big of a dude he is and how that's going to be a pass. It's like dropping, you got the shoe shirt on, right? Shoes. Shoes. It's, it's like dropping Shoes. Otis. Thank in, you. In the middle of that defensive line. If y'all Otis. know o- Otis. I'm sorry. He's Otis, Otis now because he's fancy. <laughs> he's fancy now. Yeah. Otis. It's like dropping Otis in the middle of that line, man. It's, it's unbelievable. He's huge. It is. And, and real quick, side note, housekeeping. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, I love you to death. Thanks for keeping me honest. It's actually not um, Devin Harper. It was Devontae Bond. That's the linebacker that I was thinking of that the Cowboys gotcha. parted ways with. So way to keep me honest. I'm still waking up from a long day yesterday. Love you. Mwah. Um, oh, so do that here, brother. Trust me. And I love it. I love it. And, and they, they follow me. For those yeah. that follow me, they know I am all about owning when I make a little error. So that's who I was thinking about is Bond, not Harper. Harper is, is still recovering from injury. Bond was the linebacker the Cowboys parted way with. But over um, our team point remains the same. Linebacker depth was the issue. Overshone is now in the building. Micah Parsons being dropped down uh, where he mostly was anyway. Um, so when it comes to Mozzie Smith, yeah, you're, you're dropping Otis, a.k.a. Otis, in the middle of a defensive line. And let's just say, let's expand it a bit, Steve, okay. it, because it's, it's deeper than the, the defensive line. We talk about how magnificently lethal this defensive line can be. And, and let's not forget Osa Odigizua coming off of a breakout season and spoke with Osa yesterday um, and spoke with him when Mozzie first came into the building and the light in Osa's eyes in talking with Mozzie. And he was one of the first people to reach out to Mozzie Smith and congratulate him and build that, start building that chemistry. Uh, I mean, Mozzie's not lacking for mentors here in the building. Uh, guys who are just champing at the bit to, to get on the field with him and teach him and, and, benefit from what he brings to the table that you talk about alien strength and no it is not hyperbole it is nope. not uh, a reach to say that this is larry allen-esque strength this this guy is different mozzie smith i mean he jokes about it he, he told a story of when he was in eighth grade he used to hold his friends upside down by their ankles and and shake the change out their pockets and his mother sitting right there naughty she confirms that this was actually happening this is a guy who at michigan the manufacturer for one of the uh, weight machines had to come in and and adjust the machine so that they could add more max weight. Like 
this dude is not normal. So if you, when you start adding NFL refinement and he gets acclimated to NFL speed, massive. But like I was saying, expanding out from that, what does that do for your linebacker core? What does that do for your secondary who are going to benefit from shorter coverage windows, who are going to benefit from panicked quarterbacks making mistakes, a defense that already is one of and often the best in the league at taking the ball away now enters a, a season where the defensive front can be that much more disruptive and panic quarterbacks that much more so while also stopping the run better probably than they have in the past decade or more since the DeMarcus Ware days. I mean, it's there's a lot of reason to be excited. And this isn't gas. This no. is just objective analysis. Um, there is no reason why this lineup on paper shouldn't be better than the lineup from last year. And the lineup from last year carried this team basically to a 12 and five season. Keep in mind with Dak Prescott out for those uh, five games, four of those wins, we gave Cooper Rush his, his roses. Absolutely. Um, but those were defensive wins. Those were defensive wins. And think about this. I mean, we were down there at camp and at the start of camp, your interior defense alignment consisted of, you know, Bohanna beating out Neville Gallimore at some point, you know, a year or two Osa, you had, you had Carlos Watkins. Now you're getting Hankins and Mozzie to start camp. So right now, you're significantly better on an interior, which means, like you just mentioned, everything else is going to be better for it. Absolutely. It, there's no reason this shouldn't continue to trend upward. Uh, and, I mean, there are names that we haven't even mentioned yet. Your Cowboys fans should already be excited about those that I've named. But I haven't even thrown in Chauncey Ghoston yet. Yeah. Right. We're hoping we, his needle is pointing north because he's trending upward. You saw what he was able to do in December. He really started to come on strong to the point where he pushed Neville Gallimore back to the inactives. That Neville Gallimore is going to be that much more hungry to, to prove that he deserves to be on the active roster. Quentin Bohanna. Think about if you're a guy like Quentin Bohanna, your mid round draft pick, you come in and they end up having to trade for Jonathan Hankins and then. A few months later, they use a first-round pick on a defensive tackle. This is your position. You should be uh, sharpening your teeth for mm -hmm. training camp, right? And this is the type of competition that Dan Quinn and Mike McCarthy want. They want waves and waves of competition at every level of the defense to make sure that these guys are not only hungry, but they're starving. I'm talking ribs touching. So by the time you get to training camp, you have some explosive matchups that will keep the Cowboys where they need to be and or better defensively. Because if they can, even if they just toe the line for what they did in 2022, and I, I don't think they will. I think they're going to upgrade, like, times three. But if they can do that and this offense can kind of get itself together as far as the explosiveness is concerned, you already know what special teams can do. Yep. Then what are we talking about? Now we're talking about 13 and four, 14 and three. But more first importantly, we might be, yeah, first round by. I mean, how how far off were they from the first round by? Not, Not far. How far off were they in 2021? Not, Not far. far. They're right there. Their second round of the playoffs this season, you lose Tony Pollard, you lost your explosiveness. That's why you ultimately lost against the San Francisco 49ers. Defense didn't lose you that game, right? Defense got tired, gassed on, yeah. the, on the back end, but defense kept you in the game. Offense lost the explosiveness. Now, offensively, what do you do? You add a guy like Deuce Vaughn. Yeah. You strengthen the tight end room that much more by adding Schoonmaker after losing Schultz. So Schoonmaker plus Ferguson plus Hendershot. Sprinkle in some Sean McEwen. Uh, you're, you're cooking. You're cooking. He said, my man said. Oh, and speaking of cooking, there's, there's that guy. There's Cooks. that guy. 
Yeah, there's there's also that guy. So if you're talking about ribs touching, there's a guy named Brandon who came in the cooks. Come on, they hungry, man. You brought up you brought up the tight end room, and I'm glad you did that. Great segue because you got a chance to talk to Jake Ferguson yesterday, and you wrote a fantastic article about his maturation and and his year two jump that he's expecting to take. Uh, do you think or do you feel that there's a, a different energy in that room now? Because the room to me, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit more later, is in a unique position where these young guys are leading the way. In the past, you had Witten, who was always here, and you had Dalton Schultz, who was kind of always here. Now there's no, and I hate to use the word progress stopper, but 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 there is no veteran in front of these young guys who have shown talent. Do, do you feel a different hunger, rib-touching hunger in that room, brother? I, I don't. I will say I don't feel it any more than I felt it last year when it okay. came to Jake Ferguson and Peyton Hendershot. And, and Ferguson, when I spoke with him yesterday at the Home Run Derby, he said it perfectly. He said that um, as far as stepping into that big brother role, this is just how things have unfolded as far as with Schultz going, leaving in free agency. Or I should say the Cowboys opting to let Dalton Schultz leave in free agency because that was more so uh, their decision. Um, but he also said the beauty of the tight end room is no one's putting on a front. Uh, everyone's just being themselves. And if you spend five minutes, five seconds in a room with Ferguson and Hendershot, those guys are as authentic uh, as as you will ever see, not just as NFL players, but just as human beings. Um, so Ferguson understands that while he'll be looked upon as kind of like the big brother, uh, even though he came in the same year as Hendershot, when you're expected to be tight end one or at least share those tight end one duties with a guy like Schoonmaker and and heavily um, heavy reps also going to pay him the shot as well. Uh, Ferguson understands that he's going to have to take on the role of being kind of like that big brother and he's welcoming it, but he says, and I loved it when he said it, he said it's about leading more so on the field than it is yeah. verbally. So yeah, he's going to help Schoonmaker acclimate to the NFL. Um, and he's going to help Peyton Hendershot kind of take the next step for year two, but he's already at work himself trying to take the, the big leap in year two. He's looking for a big leap uh, in all facets of his game is, is the way he explained it to me. So, you know, he's welcoming in schoolmaker and he's just excited. He said, and I quote the four horsemen just got another one. Uh, and so you lose Dalton Schultz, you get schoolmaker and the four horsemen are, are still in the building for the Cowboys. Man, we, we got to find a, a really good name. I know, I know I've heard, uh, was it Fergus Shotmaker? I do like it. I saw Fergus Shotmaker. Um, big time I, I'm just joking, I like joking yesterday. I said Jake Schoonmaker. I was just, you know, I was oh, trying boy, to have some fun. So many people, people on Twitter. Oh my God, that was uh, over right, the heads, bro. Right over the head, yeah, right over the yeah. head. But yeah, ladies and gentlemen, if you got some fun names for, for the tight end unit here in Dallas, drop them. Drop them on Twitter. Drop them here in the chat. We like to hear them, man, because it is exactly that. It is most certainly, at, at minimum, it's a three-headed monster. And look at what the Cowboys are building here still. You got at least a three-headed monster at tight end. Mm -hmm. Now, with the addition of Brandon Cooks, you got at least a three-headed monster at wide receiver. Uh, you got at maybe a three-headed, maybe a four-headed monster at running back. Deuce Vaughn and Tony Pollard, Malik Davis showing signs. You go inside Ronald Jones, flip to the defensive side of the ball, three-headed Hydra. Uh, it's at the safety unit, three or four headed monster at cornerback, Trevon Diggs, Stefan Gilmore, Deron Bland, Jordan Lewis. Uh, and I don't know what you would call the defensive front. Uh, I mean, that's that's a lot of heads. 
<laughs> octopus or whatever. Yeah, the octopus. Like that's a lot of hit. Hydra. And Hydra and that what they they're, they're yeah, I mean it's ultimately still a hydra. If you got yeah. you know more if you got several heads, it's a hydra. But like yeah. at a certain point, we're now we're we're talking about um the monster verse. Like yeah. you gotta bring in uh Kong and, and Godzilla um to take out some of these kaijus. Like these are kaijus. Yeah. <laughs> Kang. I mean, look, yeah. Um Year two Ferguson, I think, is, is going to be fantastic. But I, I'm with you. I'm so excited about this. Time Wait, hold here. on. Pause. Somebody said Uh-oh. Hail Hydra. We don't do that here. No, no, no. No, <laughs> no, 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 We do okay. not do that. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. You were saying, brother. <laughs> I was saying, I am excited about this tight end room because, you know, they're young. Uh, the, the two tight ends last year got some experience. They played, I think both played roughly 400 snaps or so. And I think that's going to help them moving forward. But I couldn't help but think, and I'll get into this a little bit later, when we talk about draft superlatives, I want to get to some of these draft superlatives. You don't have to go too, too crazy on them. I won't keep you too long, brother. But I had the safest pick being one of those tight ends, and I'm talking about Luke Schoolmaker. Mm-hmm. What would be considered your safest pick in this draft? Oh, safest. Um, Mind you, second round bit of an unsafe round for the Cowboys. Right, right. Very and I think, I think that's why the irony being the safest pick, and I agree, for typically their most risky round is Luke Schoonmaker. Um, he, mm-hmm. he just checks all the boxes. Go and look at his Michigan film. He was um, one of the best, uh, and some would argue he's the best blocking tight end. I would still argue that that belongs to Darnell Washington. Um, but what Darnell Washington doesn't provide you other than, you know, Darnell having some medical red flags. And I spoke on those pre-draft and, you know, being the dogs fan and dogs alum, I, I knew that was going to be the case. And the Cowboys, you know, made that the case as well, as did the other teams. Um, but Schoolmaker, he not only is one of the better blocking uh, guys. And when I say that, I mean, you could run behind him like you could give the ball to Tony Pollard, Deuce Vaughn, Ronald Jones, Malik Davis um Rico Dowdle who's back as well you could run behind him he is a blocking tight end but he also runs routes very well he runs the complete route tree he gets I I won't say elite separation but he gets um more than sufficient separation as far as getting off of uh, his spot from linebackers and uh, maybe some nickel corners might struggle a bit getting downfield against some of the bigger defensive backs, but that's why you have C.D. Lamb, and that's mm-hmm. why you have Michael Gallup and Brandon Cooks, and that's why you have Peyton Hendershot, who, uh, for me, I said it last year, Peyton Hendershot is just a big wide receiver. Like, he's a wide receiver. He will get down the field. He will stretch, and that's why he complimented, uh, compliments Jake Ferguson so well. He runs route. He's the best route runner in the tight end room, Peyton Hendershot is. Um, but with that, you give up some of the blocking. So yep. Hendershot still needs to improve on his blocking. Schoonmaker, he just checks every single box. And from a Cowboy standpoint, he gives you another Big Ten tight end. And um, Ferguson said something funny last night when it comes to Big Ten tight ends. He's right. The Cowboys tight end room is 100% from the Big Ten. Um, Sean McEwen as well, former Michigan guy, former teammate of Luke Schoonmaker. Um, these, are, these are tight ends who have been – bred to be NFL caliber guys and not necessarily be able to do just one thing exceptionally well as as much as they can do several things quite well if that makes sense no it it makes a ton of sense and given what the Cowboys I think they want to do on the ground it makes sense that they're collecting these Big Ten dudes because they they have to battle in those trenches and I use the word fight um and I think people forget how how good Ferg is blocking man He, he The reason why I think you get a a schoolmaker is because Ferguson 
and Dalton Schultz provided you a solid enough 12 personnel package. And you lost that when Schultz left because Henry mm-hmm. Shot's not that blocking dude. Now you get Schoolmaker back here and that 12 set, and we'll talk about this in a minute, that 12 set becomes stout again against the run, if not better, because right. Schoolmaker is, is, is a nuanced blocker as well as just a, a, a dog blocking dude. And, and what I, I think people misunderstand is for those that haven't seen his film, and I can tell those who haven't seen Schoolmaker's film uh, because they love dropping his stats and they just Google his stats for Michigan and they say, oh, well, he only, you know, 600 yards. You're not, paying, you're, not, you're not paying attention. You're not paying attention. Uh, you have to take it in context. All of this has to be contextually interpreted. Uh, what did Michigan ask him to do? What kind of offense did Michigan run? Did it run through the tight end? No, it did not. It did not run through the tight end. If it did run through the tight end, obviously Schoolmaker would have more, more yards. But I will also argue this from the standpoint of a guy who, and myself, who was very high on getting Darnell Washington, medical flags notwithstanding. Darnell Washington, if we want to play the numbers game and you just want to Google stats, tell me what his, his receptions and his career yardage looks like with Georgia. It's not good. But you know what he can do contextually. You also know that Brock Bowers is arguably the best tight end in the country. The oh running, the passing offense goes through that- Brock Bowers. So I say that from a Georgia aspect to say, look at what the guy can do based on his film, fit him into what Dallas is going to ask him to do. And from a schoolmaker standpoint, he's going to be asked to do exactly what he was doing in Michigan with the slight twist of maybe he gets a few more reps per game as far as targets are concerned. Um, But yeah, so he didn't rack up 1,500 yards receiving for Michigan. They didn't ask him to. Mozzie Davis, he, he didn't rack up, you know, three or four. When I say rack up before yeah. a nose tackle, yeah, three or four sacks for a nose tackle would be racking up. Um, but he didn't rack up three or four sacks from a one tech or a zero tech or a two tech because Michigan didn't ask him to do it. So when you start to see Mozzie Smith get sacks over the next couple of years with the Cowboys, remember, it's always bigger than the stat, stat line. You got to dig into the film, look at the scheme that they were in previously, and then you make the full assessment as far as projection. And that is what science is. Boom, you said it right there and I wrote it down. Man, this is a you have to project too, as well, what these guys are going to be at the next level. And I don't understand how we don't see that because we have it right in front of our faces with Dalton Schultz. Go look at right. Dalton Schultz stats in Stanford. Stanford didn't throw the ball to Tate. He was a blocking was tight a blocking end at Stanford. Yes. That's what they asked him to do. And then what happens when he gets, you know, when he gets in an offense with a good quarterback and he's not, you know, the, the feature part of the offense, but a guy that can be a part of the machine where you're worried about Lamb or Cooper or Gallup or whomever, 800 yards, eight touchdowns, 600 exactly. yards, six touchdowns. So, you know, all, all these tight ends, I think, are going to going to benefit from playing around Dak Prescott, playing around Cooks, playing around uh, C.D. Lamb and Michael Gallup and so forth. So we got to we got to project a little bit as well and it's, it's all going to be complimentary football because while shoemaker checks all the boxes there's a a, a way to think about it in, in this way so ferguson versus hendershot hendershot is a better receiver ferguson is a better blocker schoonmaker is good at both yeah so when you're talking about running 12 personnel and you got two of these tight ends on the field whether it be peyton and Jake or Jake and Luke or Luke and Peyton, you still, as an opposing defense, you have no idea if it's a run or a pass. You just have Mm -hmm. no idea. This is why the Cowboys set it up that way. It's to keep the opposing defense on their heels. And you made an excellent point still. When you put them on the field 
with cooks and, and lamb, depending on the set, Michael Gallup and the explosiveness of TP and, and Deuce Vaughn in the backfield, you linebackers uh, can't shade coverage one way or another. Um, secondary safeties have to be careful crashing down because if you crash down and try to, you know, add a man in the box to stop the run, you just expose yourself down the field. So the Cowboys have designed this offense to have weapons at every position and not just a weapon at every position, but multiple weapons at every position to keep opposing defenses guessing and on their toes. And, and like I said earlier, if this offense can can reach the explosiveness that it saw in the Amari Cooper days or better and match that with the 2022 version of the Cowboys defense, let alone what the 23 version might be like when you drop in Mozzie Smith and you add DeMarvion Overshawn, who to me is a safety backer. That's the, the phrase I go with with him. He's played safety. He's played edge. He's linebacker now. But look at him as kind of like a Dono slash J. Ron Curse um, mode. But it, it's all about, from an offensive standpoint, regaining your swagger. Um, and no, they might not put up a 40 burger every every week. Mike McCarthy told us last year that he would sacrifice points win. for wins. Yeah. So if they if they average, uh, you know, 25, 26 points a game, which is actually still damn good. But if they average, let's say, 26 points a game, um, but that gets them two more wins and puts them at, you know, 14 and three. And that puts them at minimum in the NFC championship game. No one's complaining. We'd all rather that than them averaging 38 points per game and they're 10 and seven and they're out in the first round. So um, I, I think the team is being built the right way. And I do have my own, um, not necessarily concerns, but Schoonmaker, for example, I had him graded later. I had him yeah, as a late yeah, day yeah. three. I mocked DeMarvion Overshone receipts are out there. I mocked, mar- uh, mocked Overshone um, at 129. They didn't want to wait until 129 so as far as the value equation totally fair ladies and gentlemen for those that are saying well uh, i wouldn't have taken shoemaker at 58 i agree i wouldn't have either but the draft doesn't operate in a vacuum there was a run on tight ends cowboys didn't want to get wiped out schoolmaker was there they took him sooner than i would have but i get why they did it right the marvion overshone sooner than i would have but i would have done it and i have proof because my one and only <laughs> mock shows it so we can disagree with the you know, or we can disagree with their value equation versus our boards. But if you have a problem with Schoonmaker being on the roster, regardless of what his pick was, you're not paying attention. If you have a problem with Mozzie Smith being on the roster, regardless of what his pick uh, was, you're not paying attention. Same goes for Overshone. Same goes for Deuce Vaughn. Because there was someone who said, well, if Deuce was so good, why was he available in six? You're not paying attention. You're not paying attention. And, and speaking of Deuce, you know, we talk about projection from a superlative standpoint. Um, my question was going to be, who do you think will have the, the, the biggest impact year one? I think Deuce Vaughn is a sneaky answer right here. A very, yep. very sneaky answer because we know the Cowboys like to run a two-back system. Uh, for the last couple of years, they've been doing that. We asked for a little bit more prior to that, but for the last couple of years, they've been doing that. And I know he's small in stature, but I think Deuce Vaughn could, could be a guy, and I get it, Mozzie Smith, right? Mm-hmm. First-round pick, going to be a starter. Clearly going to have an impact. Schoolmaker is going to play starter reps and, and be a blocker. But if we're talking about from a statistical standpoint, I feel like this Deuce Vaughn kid could be a sneaky, sneaky year one impact answer here. But who would be your most impactful guy year one? Um, most impactful is going to be Mozzie. Um, that's going to be the most impactful. And not just because he's the first round pick, um, but also because he's the first round pick, which means he's going to get reps as a first round pick. Yeah. So it means he'll have more opportunity to impact the game than, let's say, a Deuce Vaughn. 
uh, because Deuce Vaughn is not the starter. Tony Pollard is the starter. Deuce Vaughn is going to fight for reps in training camp against Ronald Jones and Malik Davis to prove that he deserves to be RB2. Um, but even at best at RB2, depending on how the offense is called under Mike McCarthy, he's just not going to see as many reps as Mozzie Smith. So with um, not having as many opportunities, you know, there goes that part of the equation. Now, that said, ask me who the steal of the draft is going to be. Who's that? I believe it's going to be Deuce Vaughn. Yeah. I don't think there's any way around that. Um, this is a guy who models himself after Darren Sproles, former Eagles um, running back, who <laughs> Cowboys fans should know Sproles quite well because he was a thorn in our asses Years. for so long. But now, guess what? The Cowboys get a chance to, <laughs> to repay that favor, to repay it. And to do it, here's the poetic justice of it. Um, Sproles is one of the mentors, one of the biggest mentors for Deuce Vaughn, uh, also right. a former Kansas State guy, Darren Sproles is. Uh, and for those that don't know, the, one of the reasons that Deuce is number 42 right now, which is subject to change, but the reason he's number 42 is because Darren Sproles was number 43. So he's really looking to come into the league and be another Darren Sproles and, and show that, hey, height doesn't matter. Heart does. Right. So look at his Kansas State film. As shifty and explosive as Deuce Vaughn is in the out in the uh, in the outfield baseball in the open field. Um, he's also taking some of those those handoffs up the A and B gap and just kind of uh, ping ponging off of guys. So it works in his favor being that small and that compact because it's just very difficult to tackle him. He's just kind of bouncing off of you like a ping pong um, or like, you know, uh, one of those guys that is as slippery in the open field, as elusive in the open field as he is bouncy between the A and B gaps. So he's just difficult. He's just difficult. So I think that a sixth rounder on him and I had him, I had him graded in the fourth. That's true <laughs> value. Yeah. Two rounds later. So we could talk about Schoonmaker and those who disagree with that value equation. And I, I'm with you. I wouldn't have taken him at 58, but I love the player, just not at 58. I love Overshone just not where they got him but i love him on the team both of them deuce th this is where it balances out i had a fourth round grade on deuce you got him in the sixth at 212 that's not even the guy you traded up for at 178 you traded up for eric scott whom will mcclay is glowing about mm -hmm. so keep an eye on scott because i was looking at his film and he's a sleeper i'll say that i'm not going to say he'd be right now my pick for um sleeper of the draft but he is a sleeper and he has a chance to maybe do something as early as 2024 if he if he makes the roster this year um but deuce vaughn still still uh, highway robbery the other team should just press charges no celebration <laughs> scheme yeah yeah just, the, the other team should just press charges like this is yeah. gunpoint at an atm like <laughs> I'm, you said it about balancing out because i think they absolutely jumped in round two and round three, but I felt like they had to, they felt like they had to jump because they didn't think it was going to come back around uh, at said positions. You look at the tight end position, I think five went in round two when you include the Cowboys pick. I just don't think they thought it would come back at 90. And I don't think they thought Overshawn would come back in the fourth. So they jumped. It is what it is. But it's not like they jumped five rounds. You know, they jumped, right. you know, four rounds. They, they got the guy maybe around uh, uh, sooner than, than later. But it's all about how will they impact this team when they get here, and uh, we should be seeing that shortly. When is when is rookie minicamp? Rookie minicamp starts next weekend on the twelfth, oh. I believe. Uh, veterans report for OTAs two weeks thereafter, so the rookies are going to be in next weekend 
um, really starting to get their legs under them before the veterans come in and start pushing them around to, or trying to push them around because you're not pushing Mozzie Smith around. It's no. just, you're not. You're just not. And um, I really just can't wait to see the first rep between Mozzie Smith and Tyler Smith. And that Smith on Smith crime is going to be something to be Hawk versus Thanos. And that's going yeah, to we're be talking about to strong Hawk, not smart Hawk. We're talking about yeah. No, 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 and, you know, y'all have been inspiration to what I do here. And, brother, this is just one of many more to come on the scientific method with Patrick Nosey Walker of DallasCowboys.com. I had an absolute blast with you, man. Oh, man, it's always fun when you and I get together. Shouts out to KD Drummond. Uh, Catch this fade podcast, like you said, that's a long time running. And, I mean, we, this is just getting started. This is the maiden voyage, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, uh, every week uh, right here. Steel, myself, we're going to chop it up about the Cowboys and we're going to shoot straight. It, it's the science. It is what it is and it ain't what it ain't. Um, and science does not care about your feelings. So uh, tell your feelings to log out of the chat. We're here for the real football talk. Come on, man. That, ladies and gentlemen, is science. All right, brother. Appreciate you, big dog. See you next time, brother. Yes, sir. Patrick Nosey Walker jumping in. The scientific method. The intro, the, the debut how y'all feel, man? If y'all dug that, please, please, please drop some fire emojis in the chat and let me know, man. I loved it. I can't wait to, to get Pat back on here next week. Or not next week. I think next week we got vacation. But uh, the, the following week and, and each and every week after that in the offseason, when we talk about insiders, we talk about nuggets and, and little things. Pat's going to give that to you, man. That's why I think this segment is going to be extremely special. You're going to get uh, uh, insight on football, insight from down there at the star, and just fantastic takes, and we'll have fun with it, man. So that's Patrick Nosey Walker, y'all. First episode, first segment, I should say, of the scientific method. All right, here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to change gears here, take a quick little break, and we're going to talk more. Yes, believe it or not, more about Luke Schoolmaker, uh, who we talked about at length with Pat. So much good stuff right there uh, in, the, in that discussion. But look, grab your, grab your drink, grab your water if you're at work, go, go to the bathroom, get yourself together because we are not done. All right? We got to talk about or we got to rate the second-round pick, Luke Schoolmaker. But before we do that, you know we got to talk about Boston Scientific. In the U.S., more than 39 million men suffer from ED in Boston Scientific. Create edcure.org to help you. ED can affect your self-esteem and impact your most important relationships in your life. If you try pills or any other type of solution that has not helped, they got something for you. Visit edcure.org. Take a free online assessment that you can share with your doctor. Click the ad and learn more. There is a permanent satisfying solution ready for you. Visit edcure.org, get the facts, and find a urologist who can offer treatments when others do not work. That's edcure.org, brought to you by Boston Scientific. It ain't hard, but you can be.
You're listening to A to Z Sports. Do it live! At some point, hoping to broadcast in front of the millions of Cowboys fans to bring you the real. But for now, strap up and here's your host, Skywalker Steel. I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. How we feeling, Cowboys Nation? Let me get in here. Let me get into the chat. See what we got up in here. Professor O, I see Boss Cowboy in the building. Jay Tuck in the building. Man, you bring on Pat Walker, you get the heavy hitters. Now nah, I'm just messing with you. Shout out to Matt Lennox, A to Z Sports Dallas alum. One of our fantastic writers, Matt. We, we still got to get this writer's block thing going. I'm dead serious about it. Appreciate the donation, though, brother. Watching the building, too. And, of course, we got the Bomb Squad in the building. Shout out to the Bomb Squad. Bomb squad! But it is time to turn the page, which we really ain't turning the page. We're, we're just going to a different paragraph and talk about Luke schoonmaker and rate this draft pick now y'all saw the reaction when <laughs> when we drafted Luke schoonmaker and I, I said this yesterday I will not go back on my reaction because I told y'all leading up to the draft whether it's a, a pick I like or a pick at the moment that I don't agree with take your emotions deal with them at the time and when that's done let's figure out how does this pick fit and that's where we're at right now, trying to figure out how does this pick fit. I think it's an easy answer, but we're going to go into a bunch of detail. Uh, it was Warren Sharp yesterday who put out a tweet that was really interesting to me. We, we talked about this a little bit throughout the, the weeks coming into to the draft. He, he mentioned a tweet, if I could find it here real quick. There it is. He said the most efficient personnel grouping to pass out of last year was 12 personnel. We talked about how important 12 personnel was for the Cowboys. They ran it at the sixth most rate, 31% of the time. But they only passed out of it about 15% of the time, which is middle of the pack. But what that tells us when they run it as much as they do is that they value that pick a lot. They value it a lot. And I think that's where a, a Luke Schoolmaker comes in. Because as I mentioned with Pat, look, I know y'all don't like Schultz. But Schultz and Ferguson gave you more a more balanced 12 set they just did from a blocking standpoint receiving standpoint where Hendershot is not quite that blocker he can be a receiver we saw him kind of be up and down in that aspect too but Luke Schoolmaker is going to be able to kind of improve I think your 12 personnel package let's get the let's get to uh know Luke Schoolmaker a little bit more here I believe after the pick, it was, uh, I can't remember which reporter, but they talked to Luke Schoolmaker, and this is what they said. What, what are you going to get from a Luke Schoolmaker? He said, they're going to be getting someone that really just cares so much about the team. You're going to get somebody that is willing to do whatever it takes, whatever I'm asked, I'm going to do it as hard as I can. If I remember correctly, Ferguson said something very similar last year. Quote, I'll be someone that a team can rely on and make great relationships with my teammates and coaches 
and bring wins to the team. So he's got a good head on the shoulder. Um, again, this is why I dub him as a safe pick in the second round. This guy's going to be a team player. He's going to put everything out there. Um, a mature player. I, I talk about being mature on the field as well as off the field. And we joke about his age. He's 25 years old. So, of course, he's going to be mature. <laughs> but, hey, man, some players aren't always like that. Some players aren't always like that. Schoolmaker also was a former baseball player and quarterback in high school. So he is an athlete in a way, uh, but he played high school a long time. He went back. There, there is a other side to Luke Schoolmaker in regards to, you want to call it the negatives. Age can be one. Injuries can be another. Uh, he played five years in high school because he reclassified due to mono and a ruptured spleen that he re-ruptured when he was rushed back too soon. So he reclassified to get another year uh, as a football player and transitioned into a pass catcher as opposed to just playing high school quarterback. So there is that aspect of it with Luke Schoolmaker, and he was injured last year a, a few times, and at his pro day, he didn't finish it because of a right leg injury. So that's something to monitor as we, we move forward here. But it's a dude that is, is, is going to fight and battle for you uh, as a blocker for sure as he develops as a pass catcher. And as you can see there, at Michigan, he didn't have a whole lot of receptions. Didn't have a whole lot of production from a pass catching standpoint. But like Pat was describing, that's not what he was asked to do there. Um, when, they, when they did target him, he usually came down with it uh, aside from contested catches. He's not really a contested catch type of guy. He only caught, I believe, three of 17 receptions, but I don't believe that's something he can't do. He's got the body frame to do it. He's got the hands to do it. Just a, probably a, a matter of a better quarterback because that quarterback wasn't that good. Here's what McCarthy said about Luke Schoolman. In a 17-game season, all of these guys in the tight end room are going to contribute. I would definitely view him as a starter type as far as his impact. He will clearly play all four, all four positions in the tight end area, on the line, off the ball, weak back, and displaced. Being a tight end that's going to play all four of those roles within the room is exactly why I have his value where I have it, which might be controversial to a lot of you people, but let's get to our rating system. If you're not familiar with it, value, year one impact, and long-term outlook, we rate it from one to five stars. Luke Schoolmaker is value for me. Give it three stars. And I give it three stars because of that internal position flex that Mike McCarthy talks about. You could argue two and a half. You can argue lower. I'm not going to sit here and fight you for it. But I gave it a three because of how Mike McCarthy talked about him being a guy that's going to play as a wing type back. He's going to play detached. He's going to play at the line of scrimmage, split. He's going to do a bunch of things for you. And that's really what bumped this up. Because I'm not going to fake the funk. I didn't want a tight end right here. I felt like you could have probably got another tight end later. But could you have gotten a tight end that was going to give you this type of 12 uh, increase later? We don't know. That's the big question mark, right? And yes, I do think they jumped for their guy. So that's another reason why you could, you could knock down this value. But they saw these tight ends coming off the board, and they felt like they weren't going to get them coming back around in the third round. 
So they jumped and got him. So that's 100% uh, a reason why you can knock them for this from a value standpoint. But when he talks about all four positions, I have to give it a little bit of a spike. Just, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Um, now, look. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and fight with y'all, but I do want to know where would you have Luke Schoolmaker's value from a one to five as we move forward here. Let me go see because I know y'all go crazy on Luke. <laughs> um, three and a half. Okay, okay, Mark. We got a a a one from Rolo. Does not shock me here. A five. Now that's a bit of a surprise, Mark. I don't know that I would have went that high. Three and a half to four, J.A. Tuck gives it a three. King Element says a three. I'm a bit, I'm a bit, I'm honestly a bit shocked. I thought, I thought there'd be a lot more pushback in the value of Luke Schoolmaker. Uh, but I think three is fair, um, especially given his role on his team, a little bit of context of, of, of what, He's going to play as an internal position flex. And when I say internal position flex, I mean within that room, playing all four different positions. And uh, and then we'll talk about his year one impact here in a second. I think that could also increase his value. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit shocked. A lot of you guys are in that three range. I'm seeing some fours as well. Seeing some Rolo said he ain't got no faith. He's he's sticking to a one. All right. Hey, look, man, that's why we do this. We want to get a gauge of the nation of how you feel. So let's move on to year one impact. Where would you rank? Rate. I'm sorry. That's Mozzie Smith. That ain't ain't Luke Schoolmaker. We don't want that. We already did Luke's or we did Mozzie Smith. Do I got Mozzie here too? There we go. There we go. Year one impact. For Luke Schoonmaker, I have that as four stars. I I think that's fair as well. We I just talked about this with Pat. I talked about it with y'all. I think he's going to spike this 12 personnel set. Regardless how much you hate Dalton Schultz, I, I think you did take a bit of a hit from a 12 set uh, with Hendershot as kind of that second tight end due to the blocking aspect. Where schoolmakers, you're not taking it. In fact, you might even be, you might even be improving, right? You might even be improving. And and this is why. Let me let me see if I can find this this footage real quick because there's this. I think people got Ferguson messed up in the head here. I got it. I mean, this is just one game, but I, but I, but I think people got Ferguson messed up in the head, Cowboys Nation. I, I think people forget just how good of a blocker. Jake Ferguson is for a, a a rookie and now coming into his second year, former linebacker, the dude's a fighter. So I always believed that from a blocking standpoint, Ferguson fit the mold to the T in the 12 personnel set. He, he was, he was a great 12 guy. That's not the case with Hendershot. Hendershot is still developing in that aspect. Now you put Ferguson or schoolmaker, whoever's going to be tight in one, I, I believe it's going to be Ferguson at this at this moment. We'll see what happens moving forward. But when you combine the two, look, I know he ain't stepped on the field yet, but 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 there is a belief that you could be an improved blocking team with Ferguson and schoolmaker on the field. 
And I don't think you're losing anything from a pass-catching standpoint. I think Ferguson is going to be fine replacing Schultz from a production and pass-catching standpoint. And we know Schoolmaker has that upside uh, as a pass-catcher. He's, he's a very athletic tight end, a smooth guy, smooth runner. What he's not going to do, though, what he's not going to do, he's, he's not going to give you a lot of yak. He's not going to be a guy that's going to make you miss. That is Ferguson's game. There is a handful of people out here that have this belief that, oh, because Jake Ferguson is not running a 4-6 or 4-5, he ain't athletic. Look, man, all I know is Jake Ferguson, if you go look at the yak yards, right, yards after catch per reception, Jake Ferguson was a top five guy in the league of all those dudes who ranked in the top 10 in, in, in yards after catch for tight ends. Okay, so so... We can talk about him not being able to run a four or five, but I know one thing he's going to do. He's going to make you miss. And I'm going to keep pounding this specific stat on the table. All this sending tight ends down the field, 20 yards, and uh, he, he can't stretch the field. Guys, only like three tight ends ran more than 12 routes past 20 yards all season and got targeted, I should say. There's no joke. Go look it up. It's all there. I want to say it was three tight ends who had more than five receptions of 20 yards or more down the field. I want to say it was only five tight ends who ran or who got 12 plus targets 20 yards down the field. Tight ends live 10 yards and in. Tight ends live 15 yards and in. So the yak is extremely important. That's something that schoolmaker is not really going to give you, but Ferguson can give you that. Don't sleep on him. That's all I'm saying. And I do think this duo or trio or or four horsemen, whatever you want to call it, I'm willing to see the potential through with them as opposed to bringing back Dalton Schultz. I think his ceiling has been hit. He's capped out. I'm ready to see if, if any of these other guys can exceed uh, that ceiling. So year one impact. How many stars here? I think this is an easy one for me. Four stars. I mean, you could even probably give it a five, but... Uh, dude's going to play. He's going to play a lot. I think he's going to have a, a major impact uh, in that 12 set at the very least. And, and we'll see if he ascends himself into tight end one when it when it all matters. Four, two, five, four. I, I don't know how this can be really below a four. Because just, just because of the fact he's going to play, right? Like he's going to play a lot. Um, and, and he's and he's at least going to have an impact in in the run department. Yeah, TC. I don't know how you could say two, but but that's your opinion. You know, if if he's a two, if it's gonna if he only has a two star rating impact this year, that means he's not really seeing the field that much to me. You know, it means he's not seeing that the field. And I'm not saying this when I say four stars. I'm not saying four stars. He's a four star player. I'm saying his year one impact. Let me see if I got this right for our long-term outlook. I messed that up. See ya. All right, we good. Luke Schoolmaker. Long-term outlook. Gave that a three stars. And I dub it as a rookie contract contributor. And here's why I gave it three stars. I mentioned this with Pat. Dallas is in a bit of a new day. 
at the position. It's a new day. Yes, it is. Which makes it difficult to really know how they view the position fundamentally in this offense. Because we haven't seen it yet. And when I mean by seen it, I mean these young kids. We've dealt with Witten for years. We've had Schultz in the room for years where these were more of the kind of the, the veterans and, 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 and the guys at the position. But they've got a bunch of young guys that have a chance right now in, in Ferguson and Schoolmaker and Hendershot. A chance when I say young, I get it. Schoolmaker's 25. But I mean league-wise. They offer different skill sets, and they're going to be given an opportunity to really stamp their ground long-term as one of them guys, right? Make a name for themselves long-term. But right now, it feels like the position is one that's still not a feature position, right? It's one of those positions that, hey, it's just a part of the offense, which I have no problem with unless you got a special player. So it could be one of those things where they continue to just draft and develop and replace. Draft, develop, replace. As opposed to signing these guys to these long-term deals that you see some of the special guys get. Now, long ways to go. One of these dudes could come out of this thing as special. But when we do these ratings, we're, we're talking about right now. And right now, I look at this thing as a three-star, and he's going to be a rookie contract con contributor. Three-star is not bad. It's not, not, it's not great. I don't, I don't have him as a guy that's going to be Jason Witten-like, right? But I think he could be here, obviously, and contribute for the length of his contract, and we'll, and we'll see moving forward. Whereas, let's, let's just go back a couple years. When we did this for Michael Parsons, it was... 15 stars like like Michael Parsons to me was 100% a guy that you're going to keep around for a decade or more the only drawback to Michael Parsons at that time for me if you go back and listen is I said it just depends on what Stephen Jones wants to do from a money standpoint you know because Stephen Jones is tight with the pockets but they usually play their players that are superstars like that so back to Luke Schoolmaker long-term outlook star rating three what you got Cowboys Nation Three is fair. And Lunda, I trust, shout out to, to Dro Nose. He called into Vacha show yesterday for the first time. Big Sarge says three may not get a second contract. Let's see. Let's see. Oh, don't do that to Schoolmaker. Brandon Whedon Rolo was 29. Chris Winkie and Brandon Whedon had to be the oldest dudes I remember getting drafted and getting drafted that damn high. But Schoolmaker is, he, he, he old, man, he old, 24 years old. King says four stars. I don't think the age will matter much if he's a technician. Yeah, the age is not, I'm not even really worried about the age from a long-term outlook standpoint because tight ends can play in this league for a very long time. It's more so, do I see him having staying power beyond this rookie contract? And based off how the Cowboys utilize the tight end as we speak, because we don't really know really what it's going to be with, with this Mike McCarthy moving forward. It feels like draft, develop, replace. It doesn't feel like these guys are going to be guys they sign for a long, unless a, a Kittle, Andrews, Kelsey type emerges from this group. So I got three stars. <laughs> Toxic said, of course, I'm going to defend the old people. So that there you have it, man. That is my 
grading the draft, Luke Schoolmaker, uh, value, I gave his value three stars, and, and it was a bump up because of the internal position flex. I gave his year one impact four because I think he's going to give a spike to your 12 personnel set, and I gave his long-term outlook rating a three because as we speak right now, I don't know that they view that position as a feature position, even though we heard uh, Jerry Jones talk about they wanted their Kelsey. They wanted, you know, that type of guy. Well, th this guy's not, he's not Kelsey yet, right? All these dudes could eventually blossom into something that they aren't right now. They should, they're going to probably be better players. But if you want to nitpick another part of Luke Schoolmaker in his age, it could be, well, maybe he's going to be what he is, right? We talk about floor. He's an extremely high floor guy. Another reason why you could bump up his value if you want. Extremely high floor, but how high is the ceiling? That's where you hear Lunda Wells. You hear Will McClay talk about tapping into the pass catching potential that just wasn't there at Michigan, only in, in, in stints. But um, like most tight ends in the National Football League, it's really about opportunity. It really is. It's about opportunity. So if the Cowboys feature or semi-feature him or whomever the tight end is, they're going to be productive. If they don't, they'll just be a guy in the room. They'll just be a guy in the room. All right. We got a few callers on the line. Perfect. Perfect amount of callers on the line as we continue to wrap up this show. Appreciate y'all for uh, sitting through my rating series or our ratings for Luke Schoolmaker. Usually, I do a rating, we'll jump into the line. I do a rating, we'll jump into the line. But we had my guy Pat Nosey Walker on earlier. Sorry, y'all. He jumps to the front of the line. If you missed it, run that thing back. We will be cutting up the segment and putting it on our website. So make sure y'all tune in for that too. Please support the website, azsportsdallas.com. First up, let's get my Reading brother. Oh, uh, good morning. Oh, uh, hi, go. Good morning, and God bless you and the show and your family, like always, and your boy Vice and his show and his family, like always. Good topping. Thank you. I like what you know what I mean. With, I, I like what you what you was talking about, but I like also the thing what Patrick was saying about the mental health situation. And and I got this to say to a lot of people. Sometimes people think that you're crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like if you visit a, a psychiatrist, that's the best thing. Because if you don't visit a psychiatrist and you know you got mental issues, that's when you're being crazy because you're not trying to help yourself. Number one. And also to the shoemaker guy, I'm the, the, I'm the tight end. I think he got an upside. Even though he, you know, he's up in age, but I think he's gonna do us. He's gonna do us. He's gonna give us a good contributor work. Yeah. But that's all I got for today, my brother. And God bless you in the show and keep it strong like always. Thank you, Mr. Ronnie. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think he's he's gonna give you something now. You know, and and, and it might. Just, I'm not saying it's gonna be just blocking, but if you wanted to say, well, Sky's just blocking. That's fair, but. Go watch the show yesterday with, with Vach. You know, go watch the Patreon with Vach. There's some nuance to his blocking that that could trickle down to schematics. And we were we were having a little fun with a DJ called in, called him a wide or a wide guard, and that's a that's a callback to wide guard Noah Brown. 
Um, but they, they very well could be looking at him in a sense of, I mean, this is going to help our run game um, as opposed to the actual guard. And, and, you know, I was having a little fun with that. I really don't want to view him as a guard. But the, the, point of, the point is, maybe he allows you to do some things schematically. Maybe he allows you to, he allows Mike Solari to say, all right, look, we got a Chuma Doja. Uh, we got, if it's not going to be Tyler Smith inside, we got Awesome Richards, uh, Josh Ball. We got Josh Ball. We got whomever it is inside. But maybe, you know, from a schematic standpoint, we can help that guard out by allowing the tackle to help him or allowing the tight end to get to the second level first or allowing him to just not worry about that assignment in front of him and, 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 and you know, reach to, to get to the second level. What have you? But there is a little bit of a, a nuance increase that you might get because Luke Schoolmaker can do things for you at tight end one or two, depending on where he's going to be. Uh, left side, right side, two tight ends, one tight end, 11, 12, 13, whatever. There's things that you can do with him that in reality you just can't do with Hendershot from a blocking standpoint. No matter how much better he got, I don't think he's a better blocker than Luke Schoolmaker. And I don't even think it's particularly close. So there's that. Uh, Nacho, good morning, Nacho. How you doing, man? Hey, my man. How you doing? Um, listen, um, you know, my take on on our draft is we might have left the meat on the bone. We might have not have gotten really flashy, big-name players. But what I believe we really got truly evaluating, you know, the picks and specifically a very good, very good um, undrafted class that we picked up that I'm very excited about. Uh, I graduated from Fresno State, and let me tell you, this 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 Moreno Cropper receiver, yeah, man, could be a could be a sleeper, unlike a Devonte Adams type. I think Devonte and him are probably That's one of the two better coming out of Fresno State. So, so keep an eye on that. Um, we got Wait. lunch. Before you before you move Sorry. forward with sure. Moreno Crawford, I didn't see the Devontae Adams. I know he went to, to Fresno, so I get that. A uh, Fresno State. But the comp, you know the comp I heard? What is it? Stefan Diggs. Woo! Hey, mm-hmm. I love it. I know. Hey, guy, this guy, let me tell you, this kid is dynamic. He's good. He's fast. He's shifty. Uh, and what I meant by him and maybe Devontae is that these are two uh, really, uh, really solid receivers coming out of out of Fresno State in that program there, and yeah, uh, I get I'm really excited about that. You know, I mean, the fullback, the fullback we got. I mean, could we finally have a fullback other than Daryl Johnston back in the days? Maybe use him as a like the way McCarthy used Coon with the Packers. Let me tell you, I'm I'm really I'm I'm really I'm really excited to see what how we're going to be able to utilize him um, as well. But anyways, overall, my take is that we might have reached, in a sense, maybe in most of the rounds, but they did what they had to do. This was a coach's, a coach's draft pick. I mean, I think this was. I think it's pretty clear I think it that was a, it was a scout's draft. Honestly, lot, lot, lots of traits, yeah. you know, lots of versatility. Yeah, a combination, right? A combination of, of scouting, combination of, of, you know, kind of Dan Quinn type of players, McCarthy type of players that I think 
Schoonmaker is a, a perfect example, as I was listening, how McCarthy, I mean, hey, he likes him. He likes him. He feels he fits his system, yeah. um, allows him to have a, a uh, an additional power running game, you know, especially under Harbaugh. Harbaugh is used to, especially at Michigan when he was at Stanford here, and then uh, even with the 49ers, the way he utilized his tight ends were schoonmaker type of players. So this, so let's kind of give this kid an opportunity to come in and uh, show what he's got. But hey, I'm excited, Sky. I think uh, I, I think it's going to be good. And um, again, I think the the undrafted class, along with what we have in Mozzie, finally we get what I've been always, and I think you and I have talked about it in the past. Can we finally get a, a, a one tech? Uh, three, like just somebody in the middle that can really help bolster this defense. Got you know, absolutely, absolutely. So I'm excited. I'm excited, my man. I think it's gonna be good. I am as well, brother. Appreciate your call, uh, Nacho. Good to hear from you. Absolutely. Have a good day. Hey, man, we got that trash can full of dirt, but he ain't just trash can full of dirt. That's the beauty of it. Very versatile guy. Uh, my guy Tuck says he's not just a blocker; he's a weapon. Um, he's our power. Wait, wait. Are we? My bad. Are you talking about? Are you talking about Hunter? I think you might be talking about Hunter, as opposed to uh, yeah, yeah. You guys are talking about Hunter. Hunter Lipke, Lipke. Yeah. Yesterday, uh, Tuck, we did two days ago. I'm sorry, we did our undrafted free agent spotlight on Hunter Lipke. Then yesterday, we did. Princeton fan. I know a fan. Princeton fan. And I actually got Hunter Lipke, Princeton fan, and Sean McEwen going to be duking it out, I think, down there for that H-back type of role. And who whoever can come out of that, the most versatile guy moving forward at camp, I think, gets the nod if they elect to carry that. Because it's very, they very well could just be like, look, this kid, Luke Schoolmaker, can line up everywhere. Right? That's why the numbers game is going to be very interesting because if what if they say, look, Hunter didn't show out, Fant didn't show out, but we know what McEwen brings to the offense and we know we're going to, we know we're going to run four tight ends and we saw him line up in the backfield and be a productive H back for the Cowboys. We know that if they want to mix it up and be more versatile in that situation with a uh, Luke Schoolmaker, he can line up back there, play action and, and throw out of it. Cause that was one of the things, Professor, o, you remember this. We used to we used to trip and get upset when they ran that stupid hawk package or that put a put a guard in the backfield because you're not faking it and throwing it to those dudes. So boom, they start putting Sean McEwen back there and actually worked better from a running standpoint. But much like Kellen Moore, there really was nothing done off of it. There was no dribbling with the purpose. You could dribble with a lot of purpose with Schoolmaker if he's going to play that role. Same thing if you want to include Peyton Hendershot, because Hendershot can be a guy that can move around. But it's going to be fun to see exactly how... So many things are going to be to work with down there. Well, let's try out uh, Princeton Fanter. Let's try out Hunter Lipke. Let's, let's hand him the ball, too. Maybe we get some John Kuhn type of situation with him. Let's try out uh, uh, Schoolmaker in the backfield, doing things like that. Look how smooth he was with that... that uh, type of motion comeback yo-yo type situation we watched and we kind of made fun of it but it was a week one y'all they tried that shit with dalton schultz and you look schultz 
thank you for your services, man. But it just didn't work out. I think they tried it again later on in the season with Dalton Schultz. He just doesn't move as fluid as schoolmaker from an athletic standpoint in trying to do that. So, look, man, I think he's going to have an impact on his team. May not have been picked where we wanted him to be picked. You may think he's not going to be this this high-end pass-catching guy. That may be true. But I know one thing. He's going to come in here, going to play 12, going to block his ass off, and he's going to continue to develop as a pass catcher. And the Cowboys have been taking these Big Ten blocking type of tight ends, or not even just Big Ten, because Dalton Schultz went to Stanford, but they do the same thing Big Ten guys do. Their head coach, was a, they run a pro-style offense. Our ball runs a pro-style offense. He's familiar with pro-style route trees and pro-style blocking combinations. They took guys like Dalton Schultz. He developed as a pass catcher. Jake Ferguson, who I thought was extremely underrated as a pass catcher at Wisconsin, I think he has all the records there, but it wasn't like he was putting up Mayer type of numbers, Kincaid type of numbers, because it was still a Big Ten running type of conference. Took him, blocked a lot, developed him as a pass catcher. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that schoolmaker develops develops as a pass catcher. He's got a lot of the traits to do so. Just how soon would that be? Y'all ready for these next two, man? Buckle up. Mr. Danny Savage. Good morning. Good morning, good, Sky. Good morning, good morning, good morning Sky. Loved your guest. First time I ever heard of him. I mean, really? I don't have Twitter. I heard he's a Twitter guy. But, yo, loved what he said, loved his draft grades. You know, just like the rounds where he had guys slotted. Yeah. So I'm really going to look him up. But I'm not a Twitter guy, so that's why I had no idea. But is he, like, on YouTube? Hold on, before you, because you're going real fast. He ain't a Twitter guy. He's on Twitter. Someone told me he does Dallas Twitter. I don't have Twitter. I don't know. No, sir. Sir, he he works for the Dallas Cowboys. He's on DallasCowboy.com. Do you you visit their site? Oh, okay, 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 okay. If you visit their site, okay, I've seen, I'm pretty sure you've read his I've articles. Seen, like, you just didn't realize. Show. Oh, all right, it's your show. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I'm going to check oh, him yeah, out. Ahead, loved his, loved his content. Listen, here's the thing with the schoolmaker. His new nickname is the Shockmaster. Listen, he's a good tight end, yes. I think the big hoopla is where he was taken in round two. That's just the negativity on him. Yeah. If we were to take him day three, we're doing backflips. You know what I'm trying to say? Is he a good blocker? Absolutely, yes. Anybody wants to go back to the yeah. Michigan tape and watch him block, you're going to see him springing a lot of blocks for Blake Corum, running back, who will be around one pick next year. So, like I said, Blake, do I have permission? Back. To, do I have permission to come in? So, uh, like I said, apparently he has not. Definitely value. <laughs> apparently not. Dale, this is your show today, huh, Danny? Danny, uh, Blake Corum, is that what school does he go to? Who are we talking? Blake Corum? What are yeah, we talking yeah. about? Michigan. Michigan, okay. All That's right. what I'm saying. You can watch Schoolmaker blocking right. a lot for him and watching Blake Corum take runs for 80 yards. Gotcha. Great call is all the great show as always. Listen to you and watch later. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Boy, I, look, y'all gotta do better with this this calling etiquette. You know better, Daddy. Uh Marv, what's good, Marv? What up, Dale? What's the word, brother? What's the word, man? How you doing? Oh, man, I like to pick. Uh, good blocking. It's like you said, they don't know what we're doing now, so there ain't going to be no make-up plays. It's going to be brute force to run it for the edges, Mark. for our halfbacks. 
tight end is going to be dangerous. And I just love it for Dak. That's going to help Dak. He, he's good with play action. Fake. That play action is going to be on. Mm-hmm. And everybody's going to get what they want. And everybody think our quarterback is above. He's going to destroy Philly again and the Giants and the Redskins. And he's going to be laughing. They're going to be looking on the side and get stupid. And our D going to be, oh, that D is going to be a monster. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. Man, Mozzie. I keep telling you, everybody want to fight with me, but I'm telling you, man, Mozzie's starting at three-tech, I'm telling y'all, because he can play. He's big, strong, and then you bring the other big guys in, and it's just like you say still, come on, big Bo, I'm praying, big Bo, come on, Bo, Bo, come on, Bo. If yeah. Bo do what he's supposed to do, it's going to be over, man. So I'm telling you, man. Marv, when we did our, our losers, I didn't really see too many people bring up Bo, but when I, I call him a loser, but a loser from the draft, he he very well could be included in that because of the Mozzie pick, um, and, and them having kind of two guys they believe can do the, can shade as a one tech or play nose. But I just got this feeling, man. As long as Bo improves and continues to improve, because he improved from last year to this year, he improved in training camp. I mean, if he shows that, I think they 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 have to shot to keep all three of them around. Oh um, yeah, they're gonna keep both. Let me say, I want him to just be a monster. Yeah, so that way, change that way. Then we get Mozzie rest, and we get Mozzie rest and uh, Big Hank. You know what I'm saying? But uh, that guy, your battery, man. man, I watched that film. Man, you guys did a good pick. That number four pick is cold blooded for real. This guy got a he wouldn't stop. Oh, still, you know what was funny? It was a it was one of the uh, Eagles' best podcasters, and he woke them up. He said, all y'all on here thinking the Cowboys drafted pitiful. Y'all are dumb. He said, uh, my, my, one of my uh, friends, Coach, uh, that dude, the fourth pick. Uh, Fajoko? Yes. Yeah. And then he said, the uh, the Darren Sproles looking like it's dangerous. <laughs> he said, they tight end is dangerous. He said, and then the steal. They got that big one, Marzi. He say he, he say he ain't that far from the Georgia Tech now. He's stronger. He say he ain't that far, y'all. And the Philly fam was like, "What you trying to say?" He say they did it. They, uh, yeah, they did it. He said that hey, Will Smith. He said I would. I, he said I wish I had that guy. Are you talking about Jordan Davis? <laughs> the, the other one they got. Carter. Oh, Jalen Carter. Jalen Carter. Yeah, look, yeah. man. I, I don't. I don't. I agree. I think if Mozzie played in a similar style of defense, he, he probably put up more production from a, a production standpoint. But from an athletic standpoint, man, he 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 can do everything you want him to do. He, he's one of the most athletic dudes in the draft, pound for pound. Uh, he just wasn't tasked to do all that. So that's what happened. He wasn't asked to do. So I'm excited with the tight end. Uh, you know, they was just going for because you know usually they take uh, chances. They didn't want to take no chance. They said let's just get a pick. We know he's gonna play right away. He's gonna block for that. Gonna catch passes, block for our halfbacks, and that's what y'all want. You know what I'm saying? We trying to win, man. We get tired of getting beat on dumb plays and we can't run the ball. You know what I'm saying? Now, now we gonna be ready. We ready for ready. the 49ers. Be ready, and be ready for them stinking Philly. My man. So good show, man. That was a good pick. Who you brought on? Bring somebody else on, man.
Keep oh, doing. Oh well, well he gonna be here. Uh, well, next week is a vacation, so it won't be next week. But this will be a weekly segment on Thursdays at nine a.m. Central. So set your calendar, set your whatever you need to set your your, your Gmail. We know how you are, Marv. Set your Gmail, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and he'll be mad every Thursday. Now it'll be live during the regular season. I'm sorry, during the off season, and then we'll record it and we'll drop uh, parts of it during the regular season. So. Yeah, man, he's a fantastic get, and uh, we're we're excited to have him on. Now you gotta get my homeboy on there. Uh, oh, it's all love. The other one on the show from UW. I went to the University of Washington too. Uh, I remember this. Yeah, who else on the show? Who you talking about? You know the guy that's on the show with uh oh Isaiah Standback. Yeah, Standback. That's my boy. Yeah, I, I went to I went to college. I went to the University of Washington with Standback. Ran track with him. No, you didn't. Standback ran a 10 2, 100 meters. I did you, too. My you old ran man. with Isaiah Standback? Yeah, Standback tell you, at 100 meters. I ran with all of them, dude. My little butt, you'll be laughing. I said, I'm like, oh, so fast. I couldn't believe it. Uh, yeah, I was a beast. Right, okay. I was a beast still. Kappa Kappa. I did an interview with Standback. Yeah, go check it out. We, we talked to him last year at the uh, little baseball or softball home run derby. Yeah, thing. I saw you. Yeah, 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 I saw yeah. you that. I'm I got uh, yeah. when you when you I'm, come this year, I'm gonna beat you at the camp. I'm gonna make sure I meet you this time. I, I was yeah. being lazy. Then I said, oh, I'm not for late travel. That's all. I, good, I met up with the other guy. I'm gonna come meet you in March <laughs> so I can mess with y'all. <laughs> yeah, go come on, come through. We had we had fun down there meeting the fans and just just kicking back and <laughs> enjoying the scenery, dog. So yeah, come through, more. Appreciate you yeah, calling in, come. man. Yes, sir, man. Good show. Salute. Salute. I would tell you this, Mr. Dunn, that he is not. He is not. Uh, uh, there was a, a video that surfaced last year, Marv, I think it was with Law. Not that, but he ran with Zay. Didn't see that one coming. Now, he did tell us on Vach's show that, that he went to UW and, and, and he ran track, but I didn't know he ran with Zay. So I asked him, hey, Isaiah, you know uh. No old Marv. Ooh, Magic City. We call him Magic City Marv. Yeah, we'll see. We gonna see, man. All right, that'll do it for the phone lines today. Appreciate y'all. Let me go look at these super chats before we get up out of here. I didn't have a chance to really read them uh, as we were doing the show because, of course, we had our fantastic guest on, which I might even call him a guest no more. He might have been a guest today, but I'm going to tell him. Next time, come on through, go to the refrigerator, grab the Kool-Aid. We don't need to do all the formal stuff. Hardest thing now. <laughs> y'all wild in this chat, man. Y'all are wild. All right, here we go. Here we go. What's today? The fourth. Boom, bow, bang. Jay SoCal, appreciate you. He says Mozzie Parsons. All right. Super chat. Matt Lennox dropped one earlier. Dropped 10 just to support. Appreciate you. We don't wipe them 304. Super chat. AKA Chris said, Ferg's yak ability is crazy. Dude has crazy vision when he has the ball in his hands and he gains more yards with both elusiveness and power. Facts. And I, and I just think there's this handful of people. Ain't a whole lot. But there's this handful of people that I believe underrate him as a pass catcher, as a weapon. Um, especially when you provide context to the position. Res- tight ends 
are going to get the ball on bootlegs. Tight ends are going to get the ball on play action. Tight ends are going to get the ball right in front of the quarterback. Can you secure it? Can you catch in traffic? He dropped zero balls last year. None. Now, he didn't have a ton. He only had, what, 21 or so targets, but he didn't drop a single pass. Can you make contested catches? He's done that. Can you make guys miss when you get the ball? He does that at one of the best rates, or at least he did at one of the best rates last year. Ferg is a problem with the ball in his hand. Ignoring that would be a mistake for the Cowboys, in my opinion. Super chat. Sully dropped five and said, would you be against dropping McEwen and keep Lipke and Fant? Felt like you can only keep one of the two. Oh, uh, Sully, that, that's going to be the that's going to be the competition. Like McEwen, and again, we, we did the losers or whatever yesterday. I purposely didn't list 10 names because I wanted to kind of bounce off of y'all. Uh, you could include McEwen. If you wanted to, I went with more high-profile guys. Hence, you didn't see Bohan on there and McEwen. But McEwen is fighting for my life. He's fighting for his life. I know he's part of their quote-unquote four horsemen or whatever. But he's on a one-year deal. He's a UDFA guy. Um, his his role that he played last year, they brought in a number of dudes that can play that role. Uh, he has to leg up because he's been around the league, though. right? He's already kind of got that three, four-year strength in him. And he knows the offense. He knows the quarterback. He knows his guys. So he's got a leg up, but there's definitely competition. I'm not. I'm not ready to say I'm going to drop anybody just quite yet. I, I want to go and, and see them at camp, or, or wait to see them, or hear about them at camp before we get to dropping guys. But I definitely want to see a competition between them for that spot for sure. And then starter kit Duke super chat. He dropped five. He said with Parsons stating he's getting ready. To play defense and end full time, how do you view our linebacker room? Does Overshown get playing time? Great question. That's a content question because we definitely going we going to break that whole thing down for sure. Uh, how do I feel? How do I view? I'm sorry, the linebacker room. Does Overshown Overshown get playing time? I'll be brief with it. Um, I still do believe Overshown is below Clark uh, ahead of Jabril Cox and, and Devin Harper at the moment so the playing time may come in one of two ways injury right and or a very very specific role meaning playing that big nickel a little bit and when i say big nickel we might have to find a different word for what they might do with overshone because i think they're going to utilize him coming forward more than they utilize him going back so we're going to, have to think of a maybe a different nickname for that um i know maybe he takes over the rover role that's something to think about. Maybe he takes over. I mean, I don't want to go too far. Michael Parsons, the way he was used year one, I'm not saying Overshone is going to be used as a pass rusher in that manner, but the way he could pretend he was used year one was all over the damn place. And Overshone is a, he was a safety in the big 12 converted to a linebacker. You see some of the drop back skills, but my guy is a missile coming forward. So I wonder if they decide to kind of just use him all over the place. Now that they're going to move Michael Parsons down, he could kind of be a, a rover type. Uh, that means somebody comes off the field, LVE, Clark, one of your big safety guys. So it's, it's really early, too early for me to say that he's going to see a significant amount of playing time until I know what is his role. What is the distinct role he's going to have here? And we'll know more of that once we get to, once we see him at camp, preseason, things like that. 
Um, but I, I definitely do believe Clark, LVE are your linebackers. And if they don't get hurt, they're going to play majority of the snaps. Everyone else will have to be competing for a role slash special teams. But man, as I'm thinking this through, Overshone could definitely be a guy you move all over the place. Interesting. And I think that's it for Super Chats. Appreciate y'all. <laughs> Marv ran track versus Jesse Owens. It's crazy. Uh, you email me, Danny. I'll check it out. I got you after the show. So I think we got my guy, Dwight. So, so Dwight, there's a running joke. Shout out to Okoye because I feel like he started this whole thing. There's a running joke about my age. Okoye told everybody I was like 43 or something like that. Not that far. Like 43 or whatever. And then ever since then, man, I've just been this old, young looking dude. So don't take offense to it, man. They just having fun. Listen, if, if you noticed anything on this show and, and on Vacha's show, we can we can laugh at ourselves and it's no big deal, man. It's all good. Uh, Starter Kid said Overshone looks like a good blitzer on film. I mean, when he when anytime he had a clear lane, this guy looked like a blur. Like it didn't make sense how fast he got to the quarterback. For a long guy, he makes ground up really fast, like right now. And usually long guys with long legs, they have those strides, those long strides. But, man, them strides is, it's like Randy Moss, right? Randy Moss can run a 4-2-something because those strides were taking up ground fast. Overshone takes up ground really, really fast. And actually, he's the next guy we're going to break down. But we're going to break him down next week. So uh, maybe Monday, we'll do our rating the draft series on Overshone. So I'm not going to give too much away. I ain't gonna lie, I'm getting cooked. All right, man, let's go ahead and wrap up the show. Good stuff today. If y'all missed it, man, Pat Walker came through, blessed us for our very first debut, our episode, our debut episode of our segment, I should say, the scientific method. We will have it chopped up, chopped and screwed, and put on the website. So check that out. Really good stuff from him, as always. I mean, he does not miss. You can check him out on DallasCowboys.com and follow him on Twitter. Patrick Nosey Walker, the voice of the star. If you enjoyed that and you enjoyed the show in general, please, please, please hit the like button. If you want to be a part of the bomb squad, you want to comment down in the comment section, you got to be a subscriber. Hit that sub button. Share this with your friends, your family, your rivals. It don't matter if you think that they need some insight on Dallas Cowboy stuff. And of course, continue to support all Cowboy content creators, man. We, we are deep. I don't I will put us up against anybody. We are deep in this thing. We we get deep in this Cowboys information and we go above and beyond to make sure that we provide quality Cowboys content. At least that's what I'm trying to do here. Provide quality Cowboys content from top to bottom. So I appreciate y'all. Um I think we got everything. I'll be on later. We'll watch final show of the week. And then Mo will be on talking Cowboys for his final show of the week. For A to Z Sports Prime Time, so make sure y'all check him out as well. You're killing me, LT. No, you're killing me. With that said, I'm gonna press this button and get up out of here. Oh, he goaded. No see goaded for sure. Sky was there when Marvin Jesse ran in Berlin. See what I'm saying? You see what I mean, Dwight? They be getting on me, man. 
Yo, hey, Professor O, send me that. Send me that picture, because if it's him, we're going to have fun with that. Be out of here. Love you. Mod Squad too. Shout out to the day ones. Y'all know I'm bigger wrestling. I'm gonna have to turn the Usos, the Bloodline day one thing into something here. I'm gonna have to do it because we got a lot of day ones. 